You may um, open your Bibles, if you would please, if you desire, uh, to at one text, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. Matthew 29, no, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, is one of those great texts in the scripture that ask a great question. There was a guy, two guys, who were blind, and they had a really passionate desire to not be blind. That's amazing to me because when you've been blind all your life, you don't know what it means not to be blind. The scripture doesn't describe in detail their lives, whether they were blind all their lives or not, but let's assume this is something now that's way out in front of them, a dream that is hard to imagine. So if they could see and then they lost their sight, um, they want to regain something. If they never could see, and want to see, they're wanting something they don't fully understand. And some of you have been there, a dream, an idea that, you know, it's called maybe a, a good marriage. You've heard of that, but you've never seen it. You don't have a real, you have an idea, because people describe it to you. I'm sure people describe sight to them but they, they couldn't imagine it. It's a wonderful movie I saw years ago about a guy who could not see all of his life and, and then he gained sight and he didn't understand what he saw. If he saw a bus, he didn't understand it. He had to close his ears, close his eyes. He said, oh, that's a bus. He, couldn't, he, he didn't recognize a, 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 an object, a wall. He'd have to feel, oh, that's a wall. His hands were his eyes. And there's something profound about this story. Eventually he lost his sight again in the story. But there was an amazing revelation about what it means to be blind and to see. Some of our members uh, uh, have uh, that uh, uh, experience in their life. And uh, one in particular, I was so amazed. Um, I, when I got my house, she said, you, you took everybody to see your house but me. She said, I want to go by your house. I want to see your house. And so I'm looking at her saying, really? You want to go see my house? Yes. And so I took her to my house. And she said, this is a big room, isn't it? And she started describing my house to me. And I thought, OK, this is scary. But there's a, there's a sense. There's a way they sense and feel that gives them a different kind of sight. Two guys in this story want sight. Two guys in this story come up with a plan to get together and approach their common dream. Think about this. Look at the text. Let me read it for you. This is Matthew 9, 27. When Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, here's a question. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said, repeat it with me, please. Say, yes, Lord. Come on, sit in. Yes, Lord. One more time. Come on. Yes, Lord. Two guys with a dream who band together, two friends, have a common issue. Let me just tell you a secret. You want to fix something? Band with somebody. You want to have a miraculous change in your life? Stop working alone. Start working with someone. Isolation is good in, in a season, but to have broad success and broad effect, you have to have company. Where two or three are gathered together, Matthew says, there am I in the midst. There's something profound 
the Lord promised when you band with people. I've learned that. I'm telling you, some of the mistakes that I have made and some of the mistakes I've, mistakes I've avoided are tied to me listening to somebody else, engaging with somebody else, letting them see your money, letting them see your finances, letting them, listen carefully, see your struggle. Come on, say, letting them, letting them see, see my struggle. My struggle. something about that. In whatever area of your life, letting someone know, I'm struggling with this right now. I, I get angry too quickly. And, and there's something about that engaging moment when you, you learn yourself. Two blind men come to Jesus with a common dream, and Jesus listens. But he asks them an important question. Do you believe? Now, this is often misunderstood because people think this is kind of like about maybe an expression. I believe, I believe, I believe. Some people think it's an emotion. They think it's a song. I believe, I believe. Yes, I believe. They think that's what believing is. That's not. That's a nice song, but that's not what believing is. It's an old song. Somebody said, what song was that? Way back. Believing is being confident. It's being sure. This is the right path. There are a lot of things I don't do because I don't believe in it. It's a matter of me just not believing in it. I am convinced that my life is way better when I'm organized. It's way better when I'm rested. It's way better when I sleep. It's way better. Way better. Can I tell you a secret? You know, yesterday was my appreciation, right? I was laying on the floor. I caught myself stretching before I came to church. Fell asleep. <laughs> out cold. When I tell you almost missed my appreciation, out cold. I came a couple of minutes late because I was asleep. And uh, yeah, oh, I feel it, yeah. But and somebody woke me up. One of the guys was going to do some work at my house, called me, and he woke me up. And I thought, oh, thank God, you know. But I've learned the value of that. I've learned that, that when you sleep, when you rest, when you are at your best, you think clear. There's something profound about identifying what you believe. And that's what this sermon is about today. I want you to take charge of what you believe. But I want to ask you the big question, what do you really believe? What do you really believe? What is it that you really believe? And, and, and I think a bigger question would be, what if you stop believing? What if you stop believing? What do you no longer believe? You used to believe, but you don't believe anymore. So I had two, two questions, like, what do I believe, and what have I stopped believing? Say that with me. Come on, say, what do I believe, and what did I, what have I stopped believing? Say, say, what have I stopped believing? Come on. These guys were asked a question that would determine their results. If you don't believe me, nothing's going to happen. Now, that's important. That's not like some mean test. It's a principle. Could be his what? You won't stay around for me to do it. When I um, pray for you or instruct you, 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 won't, you won't respond. A lot of what happens in our life is tied to what we believe. A lot of what will never happen, this is so important, a lot of what will never happen it's tied to what you don't believe. You really don't believe that tithing and honoring God and giving matters, so you don't. 
I do. I believe that the first person I should pay is him. I celebrate. You don't really believe that being kind to people is the best option. So when you're mad, you cuss them out or whatever you feel like doing because you really believe that's a better option. You really don't believe certain things. And this is an important question. What do you really believe and what have you stopped believing? If you can just for a moment just pause and think that through, do you really believe that education is important? If you do, tell me why you're not focused in school. Tell me why. Help me understand that. Do you really believe in submission to your husband if you're married? Do you really believe in that or don't you believe in that? Uh, do you really believe that leadership means I love you and I embrace you and I'm kind to you or you don't? I have had to, and often, Temple, what do you believe right now? You're upset. What do you believe? What is your, what is your process? It, there's something about facing truth about what I believe. Now, I love this. When, when I go to the doctor, and, I, and I'm in this wonderful special program where I'm, I'm probably the, one of the most analyzed guys you know, um, blood work, all this stuff I do all the time. All this, all this, this whole system I'm in, because and I, and I, I want to live a long time. So um, one of the things that's fascinating is when you know your numbers, and you know your sugar, you know your, you know your, you know your cholesterol, you know all your numbers. I don't name them all, but you know all your stuff. And you can tell when your diet's gone crazy. So I, I had this belief system. I believed that it was okay for me to eat this stuff, right? So I went on a little binge, and my numbers went with it. And so when I went and saw my numbers, my doctor and I who was sitting down and having this program, so they go sit, sit you down. I said, "Let's talk about your numbers, Temple." And I said, oh, yeah, ooh, yeah, hmm. Now, I'm fine, but it's headed in the wrong direction. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and, and so that means that I was cheating. I was exercising, but I was cheating, and then I wasn't really doing enough exercise. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's so powerful. If, you, if you're the kind of person, and you go and you get your teeth cleaned a lot, faithfully, like twice a year or once a year, whatever. I try to go twice a year, but oh, what's amazing is I go more than that. But if you... Uh, how many, not every month, but I go, I get them clean so I can smile at y'all. But anyway, when you, when you go and, and, and the hygienist checks your, 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 your teeth, they can tell you uh, whether you've been flossing or not. You know, and if your gums are bleeding and all this stuff. And it's always funny when you go in there and you want to lie and say, no, I've been flossing. No, you haven't. You, know, you you got you got gaps everywhere. <laughs> you know, you got you know, we, we, they can measure and tell you no no your gums are bleeding they're more sensitive, and so you start noticing things because you're you're honestly looking at the truth about yourself and and it said to me, in the last three months Temple you didn't believe that this was important. Three months you didn't believe. The last six months before the, the, your blood test period here, you have been cheating. You, you don't believe that you can die. What do you really believe? Do you really think you get a pass? Do you really think because you're safe or you're nice or your hair's cute or whatever that you get a pass? Do you think it doesn't matter? I mean, they, they measure my body mass index. You know, like, okay, you know, my waist size compared to last time. And, you know, and you may say, well, Temple, you look like you're invisible. Trust me, there are a lot of skinny people who are sick. Come on, say amen. You hear me? Do I believe that just because I'm thin, ner, than sub, that somehow I get a pass on everything? What do you really believe? A lot of us, look at the pastor, really believe it doesn't matter. 
You even pray over, I had one person, I love him, I'm, I'm teasing now. He prays over the fattest food you ever saw. It's got more fat in it and grease in it. And here's what he prays. He says, he's amazing. He says, Father, bless this and take all the fat out. <laughs> I just, you know, I stopped him and said, you know, God's not hearing your prayer. You know that, right? He thinks it's a joke. And it is funny, but, it, but it's amazing. Do you really believe? What do you really believe? Now, here's how you know what you believe. Look at what you do. So Jesus looks at these two guys. He said, what do you believe? And they said, we believe. And here's what happened. He touched them. He touched their eyes, saying, according, repeat this with me, please. Say, according, according to your faith, to your faith let, it let it be to you. It's all about what you believe. And watch what happened. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they told everybody. They spread the news. <laughs> Couldn't keep it a secret. Amazing. Jesus wasn't trying to get a lot of attention. He was just trying to help people. That's important. He knew there was a time for attention and a time to help. Sometimes we get that fact confused, too. Sometimes it's not about you being known. It's just about making a difference. Now, there are three facts about believing that I learned from this story. First of all, they knew where to find help. That is so important because I think a lot of us don't know where to go. They knew what they wanted. We want to see. Even if we don't fully understand what that means, we want that. And then thirdly, they knew who. They knew where, what, and who. Who could heal them? Who could transform their lives? Let me be clear. That's important that they went to Jesus. It's important that you understand who to go to, not just knowledge, not just information, not just some great person, some great leader, some great preacher. They went to the one that could change their lives. And I learned three facts about believing when I look at these guys. I learned that what you believe makes clear who you believe. What you believe makes clear to me who you believe. Because if you, if you were really believing in Jesus, you wouldn't believe what you believe. Which really questions you know, whether or not we really, really believe him. What you believe tells me a lot about who you believe. What you believe is proven by what you say and do. The blind men acted on it. And what you believe can alter all of your life outcomes. This was the single biggest decision they'd ever made. This altered all their options. Now they could work. Now they could have a career. Now they could be married and have families in a different way. I don't know if they were married or not, but generally these guys like this were not. And so here, here were a whole bunch of doors open all because they believe. If I can change a person's belief system, I can change their life. If I don't change your belief system, I can't change your life. That's why for me, when I'm engaging people about coming to Christ or serving God or, or changing their life or fixing their marriage, my first goal is to find out what they believe. And if I can't change their belief system, if I can't inspire that, 
And I really understand a, a really powerful verse in, in John 16. It says, the Holy Spirit is the only one who convicts people of sin. I can't. So I'm never on a campaign to convince you. I'm never on a, you know, rooting, tooting, shooting campaign. I, even with my kids, you know, I, I'll engage. But I understood very early raising my kids, the biggest thing I could ever do is affect their belief system. If I can get them to believe in something, and that, part of that is me living it. I want you to see the results of obeying God. I want you to see the results of praying. I want you to see the results. I want you to understand how God can intervene in your life. Even when your cash is low, he can lift your life up. He can give you miracle money. He can give you miracle opportunity. And I had to model that. And there's something, and I, I see that today. I see it at 57, how important it is for me to still do that. And there's something about that ability to believe that affects everything. These guys made a decision that changed all their options. And so there are three questions about what you believe I want you to think about. What do you believe is the most important priority in your life right now? If you were just define that, and I want you to make this a homework project for you, I want you to think about what, do you, what you think is the most important priority in your life. Now, at the end of the year, it's one of those drills I go through. I sit down and I think about it. What should you be focused on? What are the most important things in your life? Now, if you're in love and, and that's the most important thing in your life is this guy, and, you know, and, and the most important thing in your life is you know, your children, and that's the most important thing in your life, you know, is your job, you know, then, you know, okay. And, and maybe you, you would think for me, maybe you could tell me what you think my priority should be. You know, some of you might say, oh, pastoring or, or loving your wife or loving your children and, or maybe preaching. And um, I probably wouldn't say those things have a place. I'll talk about this, some of that in a minute. But I really think that thought sets in motion everything. When I answer that question, what's the most important priority in your life, Ricky Temple, that changes everything. It's, it's how I pastor, it's how I lead, it's how I teach, it's the sermons I use, it's everything. If it's really important for me to impress you today, if it's really the most important thing today is that I get up here and you go, what a great sermon, then I've then got to go through all kinds of annex to get you to do that. I got to jump up and down, I got to moan if I have to moan. I got to jump, I got to do everything I can because that's the most important thing to me. If the most important thing to me is to win the argument, Diane cannot win at all costs, cuss if I have to, but she can't win, then that's how I'll respond when we're communicating. Can I be really transparent? Sometimes I, I think that question is something that I ponder because I'm confused by myself sometimes. Sometimes if we're talking, I'm confused about what my priority is in this conversation. Is it to win or listen? Is it to really hear her heart? Because sometimes it's painful. You've seen those racks? You know, you used to have your torture racks, and they used to put you on and stretch out. You remember that? You know what I'm saying? Some of you don't, young, I remember that. They used to have these little racks. they lay you flat. And then, then to torture you, they would turn this little, little, little um, uh, what is it, uh, little crank, and, and they pull your arms, and you scream, like, ah! You know, sometimes when you listen to people talk, it's, it's like that. You know, you just go, listen, 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 don't think, listen, listen, listen. If, I have to check myself. If I'm not careful, the most important priority to me is to win, not here. And that's dangerous. Come on, say amen if you're with me, church. There's something important about being a listener and valuing what you're hearing. 
valuing the person's opinion. And, and sometimes I think the problem in our relationships, the problem in our, in our work ethic is the most important priority when you go on your job is not the company, it's your paycheck. The most important priority is that they respect you. That's more important to you than you respecting them. It's more important to you that the customer treats you right than that the customer's needs are met. One of Apple's statements when they, uh, when they uh, train their staff is, um, save the customer first. Make sure the customer's issue is acknowledged. Make sure you let them know, we're so sorry you had this problem. Let me fix it for you. I'm, I'm going to fix this for you today. I want you to leave this phone knowing from the very beginning of the conversation, no defensiveness, nothing. I am so sorry that you feel insecure in our relationship. Let me help you work on that. My priority, since you feel insecure about where we are in our relationship, is to fix that for you. So let me work on that. Just, just help me for a minute and let me work on that. I may not agree with your conclusions. I may not agree with your proposals. I may not even like what you're saying to me, but that's not the point or the way you're saying it. I'm supposed to help you. That's the most important priority in my life. If I believe that's important, then I respond that way. But if I, if, it, if I start with this don't disrespect me attitude, if I start with that, then it's all about how you talk to me. It's all about me being on the defensive. And you'd be surprised how many times that weakens your position. God wants to bless you, but you don't give him much to work with. He wants to bring great people in your life. He wants to bring great, great, bring great advice in your life. But you can't take great advice because you don't believe you don't have great sense already. But have you ever looked back in your life and, and, and said, I was absolutely crazy during that season? Anybody with me? I was out of my mind. I had the wrong view, the wrong approach, the wrong attitude, and didn't know it. And so ask yourself, what do you believe is the most important priority in your life? And then what do you believe is the most important physical discipline in your life? Not just what do you believe about your priorities, but what do you believe about your physical disciplines? Thirdly, what do you believe is the most important future decision in your life? If I were to decide today what's the most important future decision that I make as a pastor, there are four things, really five things, that I think are important. And so I'm going to switch to the pastoral role for a minute. And I've listed for you what I believe are things that are important for our future. Uh, there are three things that I believe about our future that are crucially important. Now, I want you to understand why this is important, because everything I believe will affect what we become. It will affect how I spend money. It will affect how, affect how I hire. It will affect how I pastor. Everything I believe as a father, will affect how I father. Everything I believe, people laughed at me when I was talking about doing the research about grandparents and all that, and y'all was talking about, oh, just enjoy the juice, just get happy. I agree. It's, I call it GP juice. Ooh, it's strong. That grandparent used to make you crazy. Boy, you, you love those little kids, and you want to see them play the piano. Oh, you, I'm going to play the tape again. I like it. <laughs> I like all that. I like all that. I like, I like it. It's wonderful. But I've learned... And, and for those of you who didn't see this, my little grandbaby, she was playing the piano for, for me on my anniversary. So I, I think it's wonderful to, to have that, but there's something about making sure I understand what the most important thing in life is to me. And if I get that wrong, everything I do will be wrong. If a grandparent thinks your most important priority is to buy gifts and make them bad and send them home, you're missing it. If you think the most important priority in your life as a father is to provide and not guide, you're missing it. 
One of the best things Diane ever did in our marriage was she looked at me earlier on and she said, I want you to be clear. Because she saw how preachers run. You know, she saw me running around, doing stuff, traveling all the time. She says, she, she did this amazing moment. It was an amazing moment. She said, look at me. I want you to hear me. And sometimes with guys, you got to really make sure they're hearing you. Okay, you got to hear me now. I'm telling you what I, I, I believe. I'd rather have you. Now, I want my bills paid. <laughs> I don't want to be broke. But I'd rather have you than all of that. And it's, it, 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 it affected me. Because I now believe I understand exactly what she wants. And by the way, ladies, a lot of times the guys don't know exactly what you want. That's the problem. They're not clear. Sometimes they're not listening, but sometimes they're not clear, and vice versa. So once you understand, it changes everything. So let me give you what I believe as a pastor are three things that I believe about our future, and this will affect everything that we do as a church. You ready? Number one, we must take aggressive and consistent care of, and I, you know what? I can't believe we missed that. <laughs> we must take ourselves, myself. It was I. We were arguing about whether it should be I or my. I made it. I left it, so who cares? Fix it in your mind. We must take aggressive and consistent care of ourselves. Say that with me, please. Come on. We must take what? Aggressive and consistent care of. And you, may, you go ahead and make it sing. I must. Come on, say, I must. Take consistent. I'm sorry. Say, I must. Come on. Take aggressive and consistent care of myself. I must do that. I must do that. I must, I must if I'm going to help you, I, I, I believe that as a church, we can care about the world, we can care about everybody around us, but if overcoming by faith is not a healthy place, if the leaders are unhealthy, if the, if the money isn't healthy, if the atmosphere isn't healthy, if, if, if the staff's not healthy, it, it doesn't matter. And we've got to be aggressive about taking care of ourselves. I argue that a lot of you are not aggressive about that. You're aggressive about taking care of others. And I'm telling you, one of the saving graces in my life is I do, not, I do not take better care of my wife than I do of myself. I do not take better care of my kids than I do of myself. And I will not take better care of my grandchild than I do of myself. I will not take care of better care of my staff or anybody or members than I take care of Ricky. That's why Ricky can not answer the phone. That's why Ricky can fall asleep on the floor. There's something about taking care of you. So please understand, you've got to believe that's important. Second priority, we must be consistently more focused on our five priorities. We must be clear about what we define as our five priorities. And these are the five priorities of this church. Five priorities. For years, we'd say, what is overcoming by faith about? Let's see. If you're a member, your membership is on the line right now, right? When you joined this church, I told you, you could not join this church if you didn't remember the ease, Right? We must do what first? Evangelize. Second thing we do is what? Educate. Third thing we do is what? Elevate. And the last thing we do is what? Embrace. Those are the four things. Now, this is a test. Look at your neighbor and see if they can say them, please. They're trying to sack me out by holding the head down. All right. You ready? <laughs> okay. You ready? Say them all again. First, I give you a hint. Say evangelize. Okay. Those are the, those are the four E's. That's what we do. We reach people, teach people, we reach people, teach people, grow people, and we serve people. That's what we do. But I narrowed it in a little bit, and I said, that's fine, but we need a mission. That, 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 that explains our core values. But I, I felt like 
what are the priorities that help all those four things happen? You got, and I think in families, you're not really clear about what you're doing. You know I mean, the kids aren't clear about what their role is. Parents aren't clear. Nobody's clear. Here, here's, here are the five things that are crucial for our church that we must consistently stay focused on. Number one, mission. So I established what I call a mission strike. And, that, that, and this, that says we care about the world. We care about the world, not just, not just here, but the world. That's important. Next year, I'm bringing three friends, one from Israel, one from um, um, Argentina, and another one I just spoke with the other day. Uh, he's going to come uh, and, and bless you. He's going to South Africa. He's, uh, uh, <laughs> he sold his house and everything, and he's moving to South Africa to teach leadership in uh, Cape Town. Amazing guy. Tremendously gifted. Amazingly successful. But he's committed to making a difference in the world. He lives in a great house, has a great income and a great life, but he's decided, I want to make a difference. My kids are grown, and I want to go, and he's an amazing preacher. You're going to love him. And then once you've established that we're committed to missions, we're committed to, say, digital. Come on, say digital. digital. Our church has to be committed to five million people for you. Mission tribe, same with me. Come on, say mission tribe, tribe. digital tribe. Church tribe, community tribe, and a community awareness. That's the fifth one. That's the new one. Briefly, our church has to say we're committed to the world, and we're committed to caring beyond our walls. The digital tribe helps us do that. The hundreds that are streaming in right now, it used to be that everybody that was in church was in the building. That's no longer true. Churches are slow to catch on to that. 4,600 people or so stream in or listen and some to one of our devices in a month. It's no longer just in the building. A thousand people will download the notes in a month. That's, you want to understand the power of engaging several thousand a, a, a year. That would, they'll just read the sermon notes. That to me is the power of the digital world. It changes everything. And thirdly, our church drive. We must care about our church. We must make sure that our church is growing and, and, and we are doing things in this ministry that make the people who come here better. The members should be stronger. And we should focus on the community, which is something I'm so excited about. This is caring beyond our church. This is caring for the people around the corner, around the neighborhood. One of the most exciting things we're doing is something called Adopt a School. They just told me about a second school we're going to adopt. The first school we already started. We've already done things to help them, and we'll, we'll lay it out for you later. We've met with the principals. We've laid out what their needs are, and now we are aligning ourselves. And with our tithes and offerings, no special offerings, not raising any extra money, we are helping in amazing ways. And not just things that are in the school. I believe that one of the things schools struggle with is helping parents. And so we've even partnered with them in helping some of the parental issues that they have, the, the kids' families. It's amazing how kids come to school and don't have a uniform or the uniform gets messed up and they don't have a replacement. So we, we've adopted these schools and we're keeping their, their cupboards full with all the things that they need to do what they need to do for our kids. Come on, say amen to that. Give them a big hand. Come on, praise God. What a great idea. And we borrowed it from Tony Evans in Dallas. It's an amazing program that they have, but we'll tell you more about that later. And then we have what we call in the community awareness drive. Now, this has to do with us knowing what's going on. We have elections and we, we, have, we have things going on and we don't even know when they're happening. And that needs to change. 
And so we're working on a whole new way to help you be aware of what's happening in your community. Now, the last thing on our list is we need to define what's essential. In order for you to be successful, in order for you to be effective long term, you've got to say, you know, I have a lot on my plate I'm doing. I have a lot of places I'm going. I have a lot of things that people ask me to do. But I need to be really clear about what's essential and what's not. I need to be really clear about what's important and what's not. There's a book I mentioned to you earlier in the year called Essentialism, and I put the author down there for you. It's really important for you to be clear that a person who thinks everything is essential, who's what they call a non-essentialist, does everything. That's why they're late all the time, because they have too many things on their plate. An essentialist says, no, these are my five priorities. I'm going to touch the world through missions. So I have a tribe of people in our church focusing on that. I have a tribe of people focusing on the church, making sure it's growing and doing the right things. A tribe of people focused on, a tribe of people focused on. Now, switch it. In your family, in your house, what are the tribes? What are the three things you need to focus on? What are the two things you need to focus on? And who's heading it up? Are you listening to me? See, what makes a pastor tired is you try to do everything. You're running your business, but you're trying to do everything. Now, define what your priority is. Define where you make your money. Define where, what advances you. Define it. I don't believe that Ricky Temple's family is advanced by me doing everything. I, I think even some of the schedules we allow our kids to have is unwise. They're in baseball this season. They're in football next season. They're in soccer next season. They've got crazy. They don't rest, their bodies are getting beat up, they, they, their grades are slipping, and you think they're, they're doing great. No, you're flunking. We need, to re, we need to redefine our priorities, and we need to establish focuses. Whole families, listen to me, whole families, the Williams, the Smiths, the whatever you are, the Temples, have to define what are our family priorities. Here's what I told Ricky. You are my priority. You, sir, are a priority. And so in my life schedule... That's my priority. There are so many days that he will have my full and un, unaltered attention. Monday is Diane's day. What is Diane's day? Monday. Say it again. What is Diane's day? Monday. Don't bug me on Monday. Don't call me. I'm talking to you. I'm nice. If you call, I say hey and bye. You know. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm reasonable. I'm reasonable because I don't understand things happen. But by and large, I've made a commitment that that's what we're going to have. We're not going to be all over the place. I, I, I get off work. I clock out. I clock out. I, 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 what did I say I do? Clock I clock out. I am off. And there's something about having the strength to do that. Why? Because when I look at the temple priorities, I realize I can't allow my life to be without vacation, without time off. I can't. If I do that, I'm not going to be happy. So if I, if I establish what the priorities are, then we assign people in our family to attend to those things. For example, for me, my tribe responsibility was I was over the vacation tribe. That was my job, you understand. Diane, believe it or not, in my opinion, this is my view, she's over the education tribe. She, you know, I sat down with the kids and did her work, but shoot, she's a black belt. 
So I put over the, over that tribe. You, you see, everybody has a tribe. Every, so we came up with, and we organized, and we made these the three or four main priorities. So when the spring came, everybody knew, hey, we off. Kids out of school, we on vacation. Hey, sorry, three days, four days a week, I'm gone. I told the church, hey, look, I'm sorry. You know, there are certain things. I don't think it's fair for me to preach every Sunday. Everybody say amen. amen. No, you need to say amen loud now. Come on, amen. amen. The brother needs some time off. So if you see a video sermon, and ain't one coming soon, that must, must, be, must be next week. No, 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 nothing's coming. Nothing's coming. I don't even have one scheduled right now, okay? But, but if you see one, don't get an attitude. I can't come here watching no TV. I could have watched them on streaming. I ain't coming out. You need to check yourself. I need a break. Come on, say amen. And if you want to know where I am, I can tell you I'm sitting in Cracker Barrel. I'm in the beach. I'm somewhere with my shoes off and looking ugly and happy. Come on, amen. A family has to decide what is a grandparent. I'm over the grandparent tribe. That's a new tribe. I'm new with this grandparent thing. I'm in the grandparent tribe. What do grandparents do? They buy all and buy everything, right? <laughs> they buy all this stuff. That the big kids don't want it. If they got to get a stroller, then that, that's the grandparent tribe. Grandparents take care of that. You see, I'm learning. But you need to understand that what I'm doing in the church, you can do in your family. Here's why I'm doing it, because of what I believe. What do you really believe? And here's how I know what you believe. What you do, your belief system can be flawed. Listen to me. Listen to me. Your belief system can be flawed. Can I say what I want to say? And I'm out of time. You're going to have to come back next week. You want me to keep going, and then you go to these churches to preach and stay long, and you talk about them, and you say, yeah, I'm going to get you all out of here. You're going to love me, praise God. One more minute. I was in here the other day, and we're gearing up for all these new things, building project, all this stuff, right? But it's so smart. It's so smart. It's, and I, I was watching yesterday. I was watching them set up the sanctuary, tear down the chairs. We had tables up. It was great because this is a multi-use facility. And I thought to myself, man, that was smart. It was smart to build this. It was smart. It was smart. They could afford this. It just came to me really strong yesterday. Temple, you could have you strained and did something really fancy, but Temple, they're safe. No one's going to take it from them. It only costs 12 to 15% of their income a month. It's okay. They're safe. They own a bunch of land. They got plenty of place to build. They'll be fine. They're safe. That was smart. You, you understand what I'm saying? There's something about believing that it's better to be safe than be fancy and foolish. Come on, say amen if you hear me. Come on, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? There's something about that. You, come on, say, I will get there. Come on. I will get there. But you got to believe that there's a smart way to get there. And sometimes you feel so bad because you didn't do certain things, but the smart thing was to let your kids go to school. The smart thing was, but now it's your turn. It's what you believe. Next week, we change gears. And I'm telling you, next week's sermon is so incredible because I'm talking about taking charge in the right season. Say that with me, please. Come on. Taking charge. One of the worst things you can ever do is misjudge the season you're in. You can misjudge where you are and make decisions, and it can change everything. If you're not careful, you'll believe you're in one season and you're in another. 
I tell college students, I say, listen, this is the season you're supposed to be broke. This is a broke season. This is a season when you sow seed. This is not a, this is not a Mercedes Benz season. This is not a harvest season. This is a season when you need to call home and ask for help. This is a season. And you need to embrace your brokenness. <laughs> embrace it. Because right now, if I hang through this broke season, if I keep on holding on through this broke season, the day will come when I'll be on the other side of the stage and they'll say, Ricky Temple. Come on, say amen. You hear me? This is the season. See, see I'm, I'm, not, I'm not against love. I'm not against love. I think love is important. But some of you loving too hard too early. You're 12 years old about worrying about your man. You understand? That's, that's, you're misjudging the season. A 12-year-old boy can't, can't house you and feed you. You understand? You got the seasons wrong. Some of you need to back up a little bit. Don't misjudge the seasons. But that's next week's sermon. You ready to come back? Amen. All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the word today. I thank you for all that's been said and done. We leave this place with a clarity of vision. What do we believe? What do we really believe? What do we, what do we stop believing? That we need to believe again. Some of us have stopped believing in ourselves. We so believe in our love relationships that we stop believing in ourselves. We give away our power. We give away our strength. Touch hearts today. You said whoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ would be saved. Believing what Jesus believes and aligning my life with him and saying I want to surrender all to you. Because I believe your way is the best way. Your way is the way. You said you're the way, the truth, and the life. With every head bowed, every eye closed, you say, Pastor, after hearing today's message, I get it. I want, I want to believe in Jesus differently. <sighs> you may be a great person, but you have not been a true believer in Jesus and his way and his life. You may have a lot of inward confusion, but if you're really honest, you'd say, no. No, I, if I believed, I would live differently. If I believed, I would act differently. If I believed, I would serve differently, give differently, love differently. But obviously, I have not been believing like I thought I was. But now I want to become a believer, a true believer, a committed believer, one who gives his life to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, I want you to simply do this. Raise your hand. I want to pray for you. So that's me, Pastor. Come on, raise your hand. Commit. One, two, three, four, five, six. Keep them up. Six, seven, eight. Who's committing? Who's saying, I, I, I need you. I need to believe differently than I believe. So what I've said, you put your hands down now. I, I, I need to believe differently. I see you. It's nine. I, I, I need to believe differently. I need, I need a change in my belief. I see you. It's 11. I see you. Anybody else? I want to know who I'm praying for. I want to know who I'm praying for. I see you. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm, I'm believing today differently. I know that what you said spoke to me. I see your hand as well. I'm, I'm believing today. I'm believing today. I'm believing. It's about 14. Father, we pray for these who raised their hands. Some have raised their hearts. As they say, I believe. I want Jesus to be real in my life. I believe. I need a change of direction in my life. Let this be that moment, Father, where their lives change and they embrace you. I give you all the praise, and I give you all the glory for them today. I thank you for your healing touch. Every hand lifted, please. I, I thank you for healing and touching lives in this church today. 
And those who are home watching, the same thing. Touch them. Let the hand of God touch the hundreds who are watching today. May this be a day of transformation and change for them. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. amen. Now, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you came. Thank you for being with us today.